So if you'd like a Bible, uh, put your hand in the air and Usher will bring you one. We're going to be looking at Acts 16 and finishing up the chapter today, 16, 16 to 40. But before we get into that passage today, I just wanted to kind of set up for you what we'll be talking about. Today we're looking at uh, exploring our motivations as Christians. You know, what is driving us fundamentally underneath everything else? Uh, when we think about motivation and drive, it brings to mind people accomplishing large-scale goals. I have a friend who recently finished his education, grueling education, and then got a new job. And that was, there was quite a bit of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into getting an education and money and, and time. You really have to have the correct motivation to get through something like that, right? Uh, I, have, I have a friend, actually from this church, who cha- I, I believe it was a 50-mile race that they trained for as husband and wife. 50 miles. So when they were practicing for this race, they would run from their house, like in Malta, to, to New Life on Sunday mornings. I mean, that is a painful, uh, <laughs> painful race to, to, to run. Uh, I, tr- I once trained for a half marathon. I've, I, I hope to do that again someday. But that, again, that was just a, a very small amount of distance compared to a 50-miler. Oh, my goodness. Uh, people do the Ragnar races and, and, and run uphill and all these kinds of things. Uh, but there's, there's, a, there's a high level of discomfort, pain, even, even suffering that can accompany this kind of training, uh, whether it's education or, 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 uh, or whatever it might be. And, and what is our motivation that keeps us going? That's what get, gets us to the end, whether it be accomplishing that big race, whether it be getting that degree and getting that job. Uh, but what motiv- today we're looking at on a broader scale as Christians, as people who say that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, what is our primary motivator? Um, people who are Christian or not Christian, doesn't really matter, uh, they exit situ- we try to exit situations when they become uncomfortable or painful, right? That's just what we do. And that's a reasonable response. That's something God's created us uh, to do. In a sense, uh, we are all motivated to minimize pain and suffering and to maximize joy and ease in many ways, whether Christian or not Christian, of course. And this is something that protects us many times from pain and suffering and, and trouble. And, uh, and we're motivated to be safe. I, I remember we, were, we were hiking a trail right before 4th of July, and we saw a timber rattling snake, a, ra- a rattler, on the trail. And we were like, whoa, look at that. And so uh, I, told, I told my daughter, you know, trying to usher my kids past the snake. But of course, my daughter, who loves creepy crawly things, was... Like, walking towards him, like, no, come back, you know? Like, she apparently did not have that God-given, like, sense to, uh, to uh, be fearful and to flee the situation. Uh, but, but for the most part, this instinct to, to fear the appropriate thing is a good thing that God's given us. And we are, we're trying to minimize pain and suffering. When we touch a hot stove, it burns us, and we remove our hand from it so that we don't burn ourselves down to the bone. Uh, this is a... God-given thing, and we're not debating whether that's good or bad. In fact, uh, it's a great thing. But when Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's a second layer uh, that comes into play, a, se- a, a different motivation that comes into play, which sometimes will, will, will cause you to stay in situations where there is suffering and trouble, and sometimes will cause you to exit a situation that is troubling uh, or, 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 or suffering. And the motivation is something that keeps us going in our journey, right? I wanted to look at this, this, uh, 
this verse. I call this the kingdom motivation. And we're going to look at a couple instances of this today. But Jesus brought a kingdom, and in Luke 4, 18 to 19, it's all summed up what this kingdom is. This is the, what I call the kingdom motivation. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sometimes, for the Christian who follows Jesus as Lord, they will endure situations where there is some degree of suffering, we're going to see in today's passage, and trouble, even though perhaps there's an instinct that makes them want to flee from that for a higher purpose. And that's for the purpose of the kingdom, of being a part of ushering in the kingdom that Jesus brought. When Jesus came onto the scene, he had this mission of infiltration and redemption in the world. The world system we live in, the world system that Jesus came into, it's all the same system. It's all pushing everyone everywhere towards sin and death and destruction. Uh, there's great and beautiful things in the world, but overall, overall, the world system is pushing people towards sin and death, pushing people away from God and who God is. And, uh, and for the most part, we all kind of follow along with that in step, in, obediently. It's the air we breathe. It's the water that we swim in. And we find ourselves captive many times and unable to be free from a lot of things uh, that keep us from living the thriving life that God intends. Uh, but God, Jesus, came into the world with a mission of subversion, of subverting and upending the world's kingdom and offering an alternative. The Spirit of the Lord came on, onto Jesus and anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When you follow Jesus as Lord, you become a part of that kingdom that Jesus came to, to bring. Uh, that is many times in opposition to the kingdom of the world, the way that things are, uh, the way the water is flowing. And so, sometimes, unlike many other people around us, we are motivated by this principle of, of being a part of the kingdom Jesus is bringing to the point that we will endure uncomfortable and even painful situations in order to see that these things happen, okay? That good news is preached to the poor. That freedom happens for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. The oppressed are free. And letting people know that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, and I have friends in every area uh, working in these, in these different areas. We, we work at spiritually, from a spiritual perspective, and from a literal perspective. Um, praying for people to be healed, uh, even of blindness. Uh, we have good news proclaimed to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. These are all things that we're working to bring. And sometimes we will go against the grain of things to make these things happen. So as as a Christian, as someone who calls Jesus Lord, we don't just go through life um, based on, you know, avoiding pain, minimizing suffering. We always have to ask this extra question. If Jesus is my Lord, is there something that my Lord wants me to do for his kingdom in this situation to help set the oppressed free? And there are many forms, whatever that might be. And today, we're going to be looking at two different stories, one where Paul and Silas basically are suffering, uh, it's kind of funny, actually, you'll see. And they exit that situation for the glory of God, and they set someone free. Another, and the second story is, 
uh, Paul and Silas being, being uh, captives themselves and being set free, but then staying where they are for the sake of someone else's freedom. So both stories are, are, are motivated by this principle of, uh, of setting the oppressed free, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, but two different outcomes, two different stories. So when I ask a question, I, I just feel the need to say this. Uh, when, I, when I say something like, instead of exiting an uncomfortable situation, uh, a Christian needs to ask the question, is there something my Lord wants me to do for his kingdom in this situation to help set the oppressed free? I'm very aware that people that are in abusive relationships hear something like that, good Christian people, and they, they think, okay, I just need to be quiet and keep on taking this abuse and, uh, and, and, and hope that the Lord does something. That's not what I'm telling you. That's not what I'm telling you. If you are in an abusive situation, you need to bring other people into that situation. Uh, you need to bring it friends, uh, pastors, professional counselors. I mean, you need to work on that situation, not just be in isolation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the motivation is for Christians to stay in uncomfortable situations uh, rather than exit that situation. Uh, but we are not talking about you know, enduring abuse over time. That's something that I'm very aware that people deal with, and I wanted to just say that. We're talking about life in general. And, uh, and in this sermon, or in, this, in, this, in these stories, we're going to see this very interesting thing where this principle of following the kingdom drives Paul and Silas to do some surprising things. So we're going to start in verse 16. So 16, 16. It says, Once, while we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a female slave who had a spirit. So first of all, this young woman is a slave. Second of all, she's a slave. She's a double slave. She's a slave to people, and she is enslaved by an evil spirit. It's a really bad thing. So what is the kingdom principle? Setting the captive free, right? So this girl is in double bondage to slavery. And, and by the spirit, she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This is a girl that seemed to have some amazing success. She was, ama she was able to earn a lot of money for her owners. Uh, she seemed to really have an authentic kind of uh, demonic gift to be able to do this. And so not only was she a slave to these people and a slave to the spirit, she was also a slave to the will of both the darkness and of her masters who were exploiting her for their greed, Right? Pretty dark situation. Verse 17, she po followed Paul and the rest of us, and she shouted, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So question, was that untrue? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't untrue, but it was certainly not completely clear because when people heard this in this, in this setting that was not a, a Christian or Jewish setting, they would assume that she was talking about Zeus. So it wasn't a clear message. Uh, by, by any means, but she kept on shouting it, and it was uh, for, for some kind of nefarious purpose, maybe to give her, give, for the spirit to give itself credibility, uh, to make more money, we don't really know. But these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and this is the funny part. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Christ Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, in this situation, Paul, Paul and Silas were in, encountering this girl who, had, who was in basically triple slavery, uh, in bondage, literally a captive, not only to people, but to the spiritual realm uh, and to the greed of her owners. 
And, uh, and also, Paul and Silas were captive to this screaming voice, following them around all day long, shouting in their ears. And in this situation, the kingdom of God, they, 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 put, they put up that with patiently for several days. But in this situation, the kingdom of God motivation dictated that they were to uh, proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And they did that. Paul spoke directly to this evil spirit, and it left her. All of a sudden, was she, she was not uh, someone that could make money for her masters anymore. All of a sudden, she was not in bondage to the will of the spirit, and she became free. And also, Paul and Silas became free of the incessant noise. So they, he, they got rid of the situation. They brought the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? They didn't just avoid this person or get rid of her. They confronted it head-on, and the kingdom came. Verse 19, when your owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. If, if, if the person that was the jailer in charge of the prison lost the prisoners, the consequences were dire. So he, he felt it better to take his own life than have it taken from him. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Interesting thing about this situation, Paul and Silas were, were beaten with rods and put in stocks, yet they worshiped, continued to worship God because they believed that God was going to come through for them in some way and just because he was worthy of praise. So they continued to, to, to pray and to worship God and hope for the vindication that he would bring. This miracle happens where the foundations of the prison are shaken and the shackles fall off. And though Paul and Silas had the opportunity to just leave the jail, this uncomfortable and horrid situation, they chose to stay in the jail because of the kingdom principle. They saw this jailer was in captivity and he needed the kingdom to touch his life. So interesting thing about this situation, unlike the one with the slave girl where they, they got rid of that spirit and then everyone was a little more at peace, here they stayed in a suffering situation. 
in order to bring the kingdom. And this is something that Christians need to do. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, sometimes we have to stay in a difficult situation and deal with that person and, and work things out in such a way that the kingdom can move forward, that there can be recovery of sight for the blind, freedom for the captive, release for the prisoner. So in this, in this situation, that's what they do. Uh, and the jailer wakes up, sees, the, see, sees that the doors are open, and assumes everyone's left, but Paul and Silas have stayed behind. He yells, don't harm yourself. And then he falls before them and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's an interesting question because I don't think that the jailer had in mind the thing that we have in mind when we say, what must I do to be saved? We kind of understand about the cross and about Jesus and about forgiveness of sins. I think that he was thinking about his entire life. You know, this is a mess. The jail is destroyed. Um, there's a lot of trouble on me. And he just felt this desperation. And he had heard about Paul, presumably by reputation, and had seen them worshiping and seen this great miracle, knew that they had some kind of authority. And he just reached out to them with this overarching question, what must I do to be saved? And who knows what kind of answer he was looking for. But the answer that he got was, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Interesting thing, um, it seems overly simple to people who don't understand it. But the truth is, for all of the mess that we find ourselves in in life, the difficulties that we face in different situations that we're in, we're always looking for all these different things that we can do, uh, trying to find answers. But it all starts here, here in the Bible and from Paul's perspective with believe in the Lord Jesus and trust him to take care of the rest. That's something that, I mean, if you're anything like me, you've had some messes in your life. Please let me not be the only one because I am the senior pastor of the church. And the only reason I feel worthy to stand before you is because I understand grace. The, and uh, I understand that God really does love me and that God and that love is not going to uh, go away because I'm unfaithful at times. But he is faithful. And uh, if you've been in messes in your life like I have, I think the answer that Paul would give to you, yeah, my business is crumbling, my marriage is falling apart, I'm having an addiction problem. These are all things that some of you are like, yep, that's me. I'm just, I'm aimless and I feel depressed. I'm in a deep depression, whatever it might be. As simple as it sounds, I think that the answer to the mess of our lives is to come to Jesus first before we have it figured out and then work through it with him. It all starts with coming to Jesus. So when this jailer says, sir, what must I do to be saved? I, <laughs> I think that the answer is just believe in Jesus and trust him. Paul and Silas knew firsthand uh, that you could be in a serious mess and, and it's like you can't even make sense of it. It's so complicated. And God can redeem it. And God can work through it. But the first step is just believing that he's there and that he can do something. And, I mean, look at these guys. They've just been beaten with rods, uh, stripped and put in prison in stocks, and then have this crazy earthquake happen. <laughs> and they were set free from that place. Of all people, they knew. Believe in Jesus and trust God with the rest. I believe that's what God would say to us today. But a beautiful thing, uh, I'm telling you, I think, I, I think that, I'm not saying this just to be, you know, personable or to try to put myself into the Bible or anything, but if I was in these two situations, 
I think I would have done things differently, uh, perhaps, if I didn't have the right mindset. Maybe with this, with this slave girl, I would have just tolerated it for a very long time and maybe eventually tried to avoid her. And she would have gone on being a slave, right? She would have gone on in her captivity. In this prison situation, I think if I was praying to be released and worshiping God and the doors opened, I would take that as God clearly telling me, get out of the prison. Like, that, that just makes sense. Let's, let's just be honest. Like, that's, that's what God's doing here. Let's go. But when you have the kingdom motivation... Recovery of sight for the blind, good news for the poor, freedom for the prisoners, setting the oppressed free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. In all these different situations, you're asking this extra question, what is God requiring me to do in this particular situation to bring about his kingdom, if if he's really the Lord of my life? And maybe it's not the obvious thing. Maybe it's sticking around and seeing what God can do. So this morning, as the worship team comes forward, I'd like to talk about uh, two different things here. First, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian this morning, if you are like this jailer and you have just a messy life and you've been trying to manage it, the answer is to come to Jesus first. It's through belief in the Lord Jesus that we are saved, first of all, from our sins. First, God rescues us from our sins. And then he begins to rescue us from the mess we've made of our lives. And he can do that. He is our redeemer. It says in the Bible, uh, redemption and the forgiveness of sins are two concepts that are tied together in the Bible. Redemption is, is, is pulling your life from the pit and placing it in where God wants it to be. Again, we've used that language because this is God's will, not ours at this point. We're saying, God, pick me up and put me where you want me to be. Um, forgiveness of sins, redemption, putting the broken pieces together, if, you, if you've ever dropped something and smashed it uh, in a lot of different pieces, you know, God can put it together. Um, we can't so much. We need, but we need to come to him first. Um, that's, why, that's why the Bible says believe and be baptized. It doesn't say believe, get your life together, then be baptized. God's going to work it out. You've got to believe in Jesus first. Uh, so whether you're a Christian and you trust in Jesus or you're not a Christian, uh, come to Jesus this morning and join Join Jesus. Join God. God God loves you. He's a father who loves you and has offered this free gift of salvation through the covering of his son, Jesus. Um, If you, the second question I have is if you are a Christian who is currently in a situation of uncomfortableness, pain, and suffering with with the uh, exempted situation of any kind of abuse which you need to bring into the light with someone who can help you. If you are in an uncomfortable situation, I'm challenging you this morning, or if you're even thinking about a time you were in an uncomfortable, painful situation, I'm challenging you, if you call yourself a Christian and Jesus is the Lord of your life, to consider what more might Jesus want you to do as your Lord for his kingdom purpose and freedom for the captive, healing, proclamation of favor and salvation to the people that are involved in this situation. Maybe it's not as simple as changing jobs. Maybe there's someone in your workplace that's obnoxious to you that needs Jesus, needs to be set free. Um, Maybe it's not as simple as moving on to the next thing to avoid, to minimize suffering. Maybe it's time to look your suffering straight in the eye and ask God this question. God, what do you want me to do here? Who needs the kingdom to come in their life today? And then to echo the prayer of Christ that your kingdom come, 
let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please join us in this song of pure seeking after the Lord this morning. Uh, just make this the prayer of your heart.